Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen as Pastor Ward brings today's message from God's Word. Great study in the Scripture. It's still a mystery, and uh, no man, especially this man, is a, an expert or scholar when it comes to the last days and, and of course, the coming of the Lord. We know what we know, and uh, then, but there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of things, I'll be honest with you, I just don't know. I don't know. And uh, I try to avoid those things that I don't know because I, I wouldn't want to tell you anything wrong. As we'll stand before the Lord one day and give an account for these words, but I love uh, I love the thought of the um, going through the Book of Revelation. I've enjoyed it, and I don't know what we do next. I got a couple of things in mind for the summer, and we'll change up things a little bit in the summer, and uh, use some of the other men and all those kind of things as we do every year. But I've really got a couple of what I think uh, to use some modern day lingo, a couple of pretty cool things. Uh, in the back of my mind, if we can pull it off, and uh, doing a couple of things a little differently, and uh, we'll see what the Lord does. And um, but uh, I am praying about that. And uh, so last last week, uh, we're in chapter number twenty-one, and we looked at the first maybe ten or eleven verses of the chapter, and uh, eight verses, I believe. And uh, we looked at some things that John saw and heard, and some things John. John did not see. And uh, we made a list of some of those kind of things. Uh, for instance, John didn't see a sea. It said that uh, there was no more sea. And we kind of went over all those things and, and gave the reason for that. Obviously, a sea separate. They divide uh, the continents, the nations, the cultures, religions, and all those kind of things. And be, won't, there won't be any reason for any of that when we get to heaven. You won't have multiple religions. You won't have multiple uh, nationalities and, and peoples. And so the sea is gone. Then death is gone. Thank the Lord for that. And uh, then, of course, there was no temple there. The temple has always been the center of worship, but Jesus is the temple thereof, and so we'll just worship him. Uh, John didn't see the sun. John didn't see the moon. And then John didn't see any more sin. And uh, I'm... I'm thankful for that. And uh, after wrestling with preaching on sin this morning, I felt like when I got home, I felt like I'd been in a battle and uh, felt like I'd been fighting hell by the acre. And uh, the Lord, Lord, uh, he, he's all right with it, but I'm telling you, the devil doesn't like for us to identify sin. And he doesn't, uh, he doesn't want people to know the consequences of sin. I've never found it easy. Certain subjects, I always struggle, and, uh, but that's okay. I'm, uh, I'm not ready to start tiptoe, tiptoeing through the tulips just yet, and uh, we'll just try to stay with the book, and, and, um, but, it is, um, but there won't be any sin then, that's for sure. And then we we'll looked at the things that he did see. I don't have time to go into all of that uh, for the sake of time tonight. And so I want to just look in verse number 10. And then we'll make our way. We've already looked at the very end of the chapter, so we've already looked at verses 1 through 8. 
and we've looked at verse 22 uh, through verse number 27. I wanted to take tonight just to kind of separate all of the other things from this great portrait that we have of heaven. Heaven, our eternal home. And we've heard about it, and we've read about it, and we've dreamed about it. And, but one day, we'll see the great city of God. That's the way it's described in verse, let's begin in verse number nine. We didn't mention it. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me, and this is our text, that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was likened to uh, the uh, stone most precious, even like a, a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And then he begins to describe the wall and the foundation and the gates and all of the structure of heaven. We've looked at some things that uh, aren't there, and we've looked at some things that are there. We've looked at some people that are there and some people that aren't there. I'm not going to say that again. I'll get confused. I got it out that time. Whether you caught it or not, I got it out. And uh, we'll let you battle with that. But, uh, but now we get to look at the city itself. And he's used uh, this, these persons, places, and things to describe what heaven will be and what it will not be. And uh, there's been a lot of uh, discussion, a lot of debate, a lot of hyperbole, and, and the list just goes on and on and on when it comes to heaven. Uh, I've met a few people who said that they had been there, and, uh, and uh, their description of it, um, we, but we do get to see firsthand. We do get to see firsthand. We have the, we have the little tiny report of the Apostle Paul. Uh, being called up into the third heaven. Just a little, just kind of a little snippet. And he said that, man, oh man, some things that are going on there. But then we have this fairly detailed description of what heaven is going to be like. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm, I'm glad that I know tonight that heaven is my eternal home. And uh, for many years now, 51 years now, I've, uh, heaven has been my eternal home. And one day, as I closed out this morning, the place of rest for the people of God, don't seem like we get a whole lot of rest down here, but it'll be a great place of rest. And then we get to chapter number 22, and he starts all over again, talks about the river of life and the tree of life and all those kind of things. And, and then the, uh, we just, if you study it enough and start comparing that world to this world, uh, you'll start leaning toward that one more than you are this one. And you'll start getting ready to, get ready to pull up the stakes and maybe, maybe you'll go ahead and just kind of wiggle the stakes a little bit just to, you know, to make sure that you're just not too anchored in this whole world. Because this world is not our home. We're just a bunch of pilgrims. And uh, we're strangers in a land. But when we get to heaven, we won't be strangers anymore. And uh, we might be the oddballs in this community, but you won't be the oddball there if you love Jesus Christ. And if you believe the Word of God, you're a, you're, 
you're considered in some circles somewhere between an imbecile and an idiot if you even believe this Bible that we have before us tonight. And uh, one of these days, it's going to be a, a coronation like you've never seen before. I watched part of the, we were up early yesterday morning and they were doing the crowning of the uh, King of England and uh, King Charles and all those kind of things. And, and I was pretty well fascinated with it. We watched it for a little while and then I had to get on with some other things that I needed to do. And I looked at that beautiful cathedral and uh, Westminster and I looked at all of those kind of things and, and I watched and, and uh, all of the, the, the robe and all the pomp and circumstance and, and everything, you just, you just watch all of this kind of stuff and, and your eyes just kind of get trained on it. When you start reading about heaven, all that just kind of becomes a blur and you know, it, it just seems like, you know, it just seems like a Sunday school party maybe. But you know, this thing that I did notice about it, I don't know how much of the world was watching yesterday, but they heard the gospel yesterday. And uh, I, I don't know much about the uh, Church of England. I don't know much about the Anglican Society and all of those kind of things. I'm not familiar with it. But, but there was a couple of things that I was glad to see. One is that they were, that they were reading from the Word of God. And uh, they've got a lot more sense than a, a lot of Baptists in America have. They were reading from the King James Word of God. <laughs> and I noticed that. I, you probably did, but I did. But I mean, I followed it. And the whole thing, right out of the King James Bible. But, but so much of the world, can you imagine how annoying that was yesterday to some of these liberal television networks and reporters and all that kind of thing that, that had to stomach all those things as, as they were talking about Jesus Christ and his love for the world and how that he came and died and he was buried in a tomb and rose again the third day. Millions of people heard the gospel yesterday. I don't know what they'll do with it, but they flat heard it. And they heard it clear. And, uh, uh, but you know, all of that will be pale compared to what we'll see when we get up yonder. When we get up yonder. John saw a whole bunch of things. I was thinking just, I was looking at some old notes uh, this afternoon, and, and there's two things that he pinpoints in, in, the, uh, uh, in, in the book of Revelation that he saw. And, and the whole thing is about what he saw and what he heard. But he saw these two things. Uh, he saw, back a little bit earlier, he saw a bottle with my tears in it. Sure he did. I don't know how many tears you've shed in this life. I don't, I don't know what it would look like if it was just one big puddle. Sometimes we'll have them on the altar over here. But I don't, I don't know about you, but we shed. And so John looked and he saw a bottle that had all of your tears in it. God loves us, doesn't he? Does Jesus care? Oh, yes, he cares. Is he really touched by my troubles and trials? Absolutely. My heartaches and my pain to the place that every tear. And I preached a message a couple of years ago uh, on the chemistry of tears. I've read one on the chemistry of blood, and then, uh, but how the makeup of tears and what they're for, and how they how they're imported, and and how they uh, change our emotions and all those kind of things by shedding tears. And Jesus takes them all and he puts them in a bottle. But I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, John saw, not only did he see a bottle with all my tears in it, 
that I've ever cried in my lifetime. But he also saw a book that had my name in it. <laughs> Hallelujah. And um, I, I'm glad that my name is in the book of life. Every time we sing it, I get excited about that. I know my name is on the church roll here. It has been um, for many decades. But uh, I'm glad that my, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. What a great city. And so, he for a few moments, let's just, we're not going to take time to look at all the verses individually. I've just divided it up into three different sections. Uh, the first thing is found from verses 9 through 14, and we find out the great city is majestic. Majestic. It's hard to come up with good terms, good words. It's hard to describe in our uh, in our something of our little finite mind, it's hard for us to really put together words to describe when you start reading down through here about the beautiful city of God. Number one, it is majestic. That's verses 9 through 14. And in verses 15 through 17, it's massive. I mean, it is one huge place. Uh, it, he, he tells us about you know, the, uh, the size of the city, 12,000 furlongs and so on and so forth. And uh, that's calculated into about 1,400 miles. And then he said that the city is four square, meaning that it is the same in every direction. It's 1,400 miles that way, and then 14 ish, it's like the, this building. It's 400, uh, 1,400 miles that way, and 1,400 miles that way, and then 1,400 back this way, and 1,400 across the back, and then 1,400 that way, and 1,400 that way, and up the back wall, and it's a cube, and, uh, and these, these, 12, uh, founda these 12 walls and foundations that we see in the city makes it a massive city. A massive city. If you were to leave Miami, Florida, and fly all the way to Portland, Maine, or drive all the way to Portland, Maine, and then leave Portland, Maine, and drive all the way out to, I forget, maybe it's, um, uh, maybe it's Bismarck, I'm not sure, all the way, and then drive all the way back down to San Antonio, Texas, and all the way back over to Miami, that's just the ground floor. The city of God takes up over two-thirds of the landscape of America. Over two-thirds of it. Fourteen, it's a massive city. And then the great city is described in verses 18 through 21 as being magnificent when he talks about these various stones and gems and jewels and all that decorate the walls of the city of God. Now, with those three things in mind, let's think about, for just a minute, uh, the great city on our notes tonight is described and defined by these three things in particular and then others. Uh, first of all, he mentions the 12 foundations of the city. He mentions the 12 walls of the city. And then, finally, he talks about the 12 gates of the city. If you've ever studied any scripture numerics, you, you'll find out quickly that the numbers in the Bible have a meaning. I have these written down for you, just a handful of them. The number one in the Bible uh, it stands for unity. 
The number two stands for union. There's a difference in union and unity. I could explain that to you if I had just a minute. But uh, there's verses in the scripture, how can two walk together except they be agreed? And then you have the relationship of the husband and wife. It is called a holy union. Two is union in the scripture. Number three is divinity, such as the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. It is a trilogy number. The number four is the number of the world and, uh, and the features of the world. In the world and on the earth, there are seven seasons and there, I mean, four seasons and there are four directions, north, south, east, and west. There are four elements, water, wind, and earth, and fire. And so the number four in the Bible identifies with the world. The number five in the Bible has to do with provision. We like to talk about it as being grace, and I don't have any argument with that. I, I think that, that it can be grace. It has five letters, faith. It has five letters, and it goes on and on and on. But uh, there was five smooth stones, and, and they were, they were uh, 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 by the pool of Bethesda, there were five porches, and, and it, the, the number five in the Bible has to do with God's provision, God's prov providing for us. Here's another one. Number six has to do with man as he was created on the sixth day. The number seven is a completeness. And uh, then the number 12, skipping, is, is um, eternal perfection. Eternal perfection. Now, everything that we look at for the next few moments, be mindful of this, that they're all given in numbers of 12. I mentioned three of them a minute, a minute ago. 12 foundations, 12 walls, and 12 gates. But that's not the end of it. God wants to make, uh, make us to fully understand how important it is that everything about heaven is of eternal perfection. Everything that God has built into that city. And for 2,000 years, the maker of heaven and earth has been building and constructing and erecting a city for the people of God. And can you imagine as wonderful as this world is, and as perfect as this world is, and as perfect as the universe is, and we've talked about it on occasion, how that God set the sun in place, and God set the earth and took it and spun it with his hand like a top, and it's been spinning around and around and around and around for over 6,000 years now. And the God that made everything that you see in six days, has been working 2,000 years building heaven. Boy, it's going to be something. It's going to be something. And so, without getting into a whole lot tonight, I want to think about in, verses, in verse number 14 and also in verse number, uh, verse number 19, he talks, about, uh, he talks about the foundation. In verse number 12, he said, and had a wall great and high and 12 gates and so on and so forth. And uh, then down in verse number 14, and I'm, I'm going to skip around for just a moment. And uh, he talks about the 12 foundations of the city. In verses 14 and uh, down through verse number 19, he said in, uh, in verse number 19, and the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. Goes first foundation, second, all the way through 12 of them. Everything is given to us in, the, in these, this number of uh, 12, which is again eternal perfection. 
eternal perfection. The 12 foundations. I just want to give you a word or two words for each of these and we'll be done. The 12 foundations give us, it's a reminder of our assurance. The foundation is the key component in any building. My dad was a building contractor. I said that two or three times, I guess, in my life. And I remember when we were preparing the foundation for, for this building. Originally, it was like 24 inches wide and 36 inches deep uh, by the engineer and the, uh, and, the, and the blueprint, the architect. And every time we get the foundation dug, we'd get a big flood. We had uh, village pumps out here running everywhere, getting all the water out. And so we'd have to go back, and they wouldn't let you just put dirt back in. You just had to make it a little bit wider. And so by the time we got it done, some of the foundation here was like 48 inches wide and 48 inches deep. And so this building ought to stand for a pretty good while. But the foundation gives assurance. Assurance. And one of the, one of the key components of, of, of joy in the Christian life and hope in the Christian life, and serenity in the Christian life, and peace to lay down at night and sleep in the worst of times, is that you have assurance. What if you were of the persuasion that your salvation that Jesus bought and paid for and gave you freely without cost? What if you, had, what if you were of the persuasion to believe that, that uh, you could... You could forfeit it. Are there something that you could do to lose it? Are there something that you would do and Jesus would take it away? That is foreign to the scripture. He said that you're in my Father's hand. And he said that no man can pluck you out of the Father's hand. You have assurance tonight. These, five, these 12 foundations remind us that, that the essence of the Christian life is full assurance in Jesus Christ. I'm glad that I can sing, I was lost, but Jesus found me. Sadly, some people have to sing, I was found, but Jesus lost me. Mm -mm, not at all. I heard one old time preacher, he said, he couldn't think of anything. He just said, I'm so saved it's pitiful. <laughs> and uh, you know, that's about the truth. I mean, I'm glad that we have the assurance in these foundations. And then he talks about these 12 stones, these 12 uh, precious stones. Not only do we see, uh, uh, understand as we read about the foundation that God has given us the assurance. We have the foundation of this book. We have the foundation of his word. You don't have to believe what Pastor Ward has to say. You don't have to believe what Pastor Allen has to say or anybody else. You can go to the book and you can know that you have full assurance in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And then not only do we understand that our salvation is based on full assurance, but it is. And when you begin to read down through here, and, uh, and he talks about how that the walls are garnished with all manner of precious stones. He mentioned it back in uh, verse number 11. He takes it up again in verse number 19. And he talks about the first foundation and the jasper and the sapphire and the chalcedony. And, uh, and he goes on in emeralds and, and sardis and some of them I'm not even trying to, try to the topaz. And, uh, and, and so it, it reminds us 
that the price that Jesus was willing to pay for your sin, dad, and mine, when you walked around in the city of God and you look at these massive walls, the foundation, most buildings you can't see the foundation. We get to see the foundation in heaven so you can be reminded of full assurance. But then you look at these walls and the structure of the walls that God has made in the city. And, and that lets us know, it reminds us, when we look at the walls, the walls themselves, but then how that it's garnished with, with 12 different kinds of precious stones. What a beautiful city. There's not, and and here, here's, here's a little thought behind it. There's not anything too good for the bride of Christ. Isn't that the way you feel about your wife? You better. I wouldn't disagree at this point, that's for sure. But that's the way he feels about his, his bride. He wants to... He, my, when we got married, we were so very poor. and Went down to Leslie R. Davis Jewelry Store and financed a couple of rings. And, and uh, later... Later, I bought her more rings, but, you know, if I'd have had money, I'd, I'd have bought more ring than what I bought. And, and God has, God wants us to be reminded that the price that he has paid for you and for me, that he's not bothered by the cost. And there's something else about all this. God, God loves beautiful things, and God loves colorful things. And all of these, they all have a color representing something that we don't even have time to talk about tonight. And I'm running out of time just getting bogged down with it. But, uh, but uh, there's not anything that he would not pay for his bride. He paid the ultimate price when he sent his son to die on the cross for your sins and mine. And we're reminded of that when we see these beautiful, these beautiful, this beautiful garnishment of of, of, of diamonds and, and all of the various stones that he makes mention of, emeralds and so on and so forth. I don't have it in my notes, but I'm thinking about a street that's made of pure gold. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine a street that is purest gold? I heard a, a reputable preacher on television last year when I was at home so long after knee surgery I watch every preacher that I could, a whole bunch of them, and I forget his name. He's, he's well-known. He's on the radio. Good preacher, good preacher, really good preacher. And he, he made this statement, and so I, I, can't, I can't verify it except that he's, he's a reputable person. He said, do you know that all the gold that has ever been mined in the world, all the gold in this auditorium tonight, all the gold in America tonight, all the gold in South America tonight, all the gold in, on every continent. That, and, you, and you look at some of these huge cathedrals and how they're overlaid with gold and, and all the gold that has ever been mined. And it's not even pure gold, but all the gold that has ever been mined would fill up one Olympic-sized swimming pool. One Olympic-sized swimming pool, which would be about the size of this auditorium. Fill up one pool. And yet, up in heaven, there is gold is so plenteous, they've been paving the highway out here in front of the church. You saw that all week long. The streets 
or the street is paved with gold. Heard an old time preacher say that all the gold that's on the earth is, is just gold that when he got through paving the streets, they, they had the street sweeper and they swept it off and it landed on the earth, that little bit of gold that we have. I don't know how they come up with those theological truths. But not only do we have 12 foundations which tells of our assurance, not only do we have 12 stones that lets us know that our salvation is priceless. The 12 names of the apostles, he, he mentions them. Of course, the New Testament saints are represented. And then in, in, in our fifth point, the 12 names of the children of Israel, the Old Testament saints are represented. But you add those two things together, and it very simply means this, that heaven is a place for people. Not even hell is a place for people. God didn't design and, 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 and uh, construct hell for people. It was for the devil and his angels. People go there because they're unbelief in Christ. You see them listed in verse number 8. There are a dozen or so of them that will be in hell. And we, I talked about that a little bit this morning. I'll refrain from it tonight. But you've got to understand that heaven, that we're not going to be just a bunch of, you know, uh, uh, winged angels that are, that are floating around and, and uh, we're, they're going to be people in heaven. People. We will we'll be known as we are known. I, I don't understand all that and I don't lose any sleep over it. Ever how God works it out will be perfectly fine with me just so I'm there. And, uh, but we're going we're to know people in heaven. Listen, on the Mount of Transfiguration, they knew exactly who that was that came. They, they recognized, was it Moses and Elijah? They recognized them clearly who they were. Heaven is a place for people. Hallelujah. Amen. We won't, we won't just be a bunch of, you know, partly invisible creatures that are floating around and all those kind of things. It's a place for people. A place for people. Let me close. And then there were 12 walls. The 12 walls remind us that we're safe. We're safe. The 12 foundations is assurance. The 12 stones, our salvation is priceless. The 12 walls let us know that we are safe in the hands of Jesus. They say you're in good hands with all state. I tell you, you're in great hands when you're in God's hands. God's hands. And so there's, it's a place of safety. I've, always, I've already talked about the dimensions of the city. He mentions that in 12, 16, and 18. You can go back and look at it for yourself. Not only do we have 12 foundations and 12 stones and the 12 apostles' names, and the 12 of the names of the children of Israel, and the 12 walls, but there's also 12 gates. It reminds us as the 12 foundations that we have assurance, and the 12 stones that our salvation is priceless, and nothing's too good for God's people. You might have lived in poverty in this world, but not in that world. You might have, you might have been in this world to the place that... that uh, if you, had, if you had any money, it would probably fall out the holes in your pocket. 
I know what it is to be. I've never been poor. I don't think I could consider there was a time that we are ever poor, but there was a lot of times that we were broke. A lot of times that we were broke. But up in heaven, that's not going to, you're going to be privileged up in heaven. Privileged. Amen. There's no two sides of the railroad track. Now, we've been talking about the, <laughs> I got to say this, and I know my time's gone, and I'm ready for some ice cream. And there'll be ice cream in heaven. It said that the glory of all, there'll be banana pudding there. There'll be, uh, there'll be chocolate, chocolate delight. And uh, there'll be fried chicken. It said the glory of all the nations will be there. And, uh, and for nations that uh, there, there's going to be lasagna from Italy and there's going to be pizza and all those kind of things and, and there's, going to, there's going to be fried chicken and black-eyed peas and stewed tomatoes and rice and gravy and cathead biscuits. All those kind of things are going to be up in heaven. You, you can bet on it. You can bet on it. God's people that have suffered, God's people that have been ridiculed and scoffed at, it's not going to be anymore. We are going to live as royalty. You think you saw something yesterday? That would be on the poor side of town, what you saw yesterday. Well, i got to close. In verse 12, verse 13, verse 21, the 12 gates speak of privilege. And then finally, he mentions in the seventh place, in verse number 12, he mentions 12 angels. Therefore, and the best that I can understand, and I don't even think it's the right word to use, because all the enemies have been destroyed, but uh, they're there for protection. I don't know. I don't understand why. But uh, maybe... Maybe a, a, a better thought there would be for, for praise. Maybe they're there for praise. I don't know, but he, he describes, he, he talks about uh, these, these 12. And so we have 12 foundations, 12 stones, 12 names of the apostles, 12 walls, 12 names of the children of Israel, 12 gates, and these 12 angels, and a street that is made of pure gold. Would you stand with us tonight? I hope heaven is your home. All of this and, and then mom and dad in-laws and children that have gone on early grandparents some 200 church members that I've conducted their funeral. I tell you, it just gets better and better. It is eternal perfection. Every single day will be brand new. Brand new. Oh, what a wonderful Savior.